everyone welcome back to the nick state of mind podcast i'm your host chip murphy and we've got a very special guest on the show tonight someone who is a great not a good friend of the show a great friend of the show and a great friend of mine someone who i used to do a podcast with called hoops addicts anonymous and me and this guy are going to be doing something very special now something that he's very good at talking about the draft doing a draft series, which we used to do yeah, for uh, Hoops Addicts, talk to, dr- talk to coaches, talk to trainers, maybe talk to, maybe talk to a player or two. That would be a lot of fun. Just talk to anyone we can get about the NBA draft. And if you know us, if you know our content, you, of course, know that I'm talking about Jeffrey Campbell. Jeff, thanks for coming back on the show, man. Dude, Chip, uh, really appreciate the intro. Of course, the pleasure is all mine. It's been so long since uh, you and I were recording some type of pod. Um, A lot has happened since then, but uh, it's just a pleasure to be back doing this. Uh, You know, pretty disappointing Knicks season for us as fans, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit. But, um, yeah, just really pumped to be doing this with you to talk draft, anything basketball-related. I was saying a little bit before we started recording, I got Minnesota and Memphis on in the background right now. What a great playoff series. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just pumped to be doing this for sure. Yeah, it's great to watch great basketball and not have to worry about the Knicks. It's always great to watch non-Knicks basketball sometimes, but yeah. it's – this Memphis Minnesota series has been amazing, but yeah, we're we're gonna be talking draft tonight. A little preview of what we plan on getting into because we don't want to dive too deep into it. We're gonna this is gonna be a little bit of a short one, but we are gonna talk Knicks too. Yeah, because I know everybody's interested in hearing about Jalen Brunson, yeah, and and Donovan Mitchell, and we're gonna get into that. But first, me and Jeff are gonna be doing a draft series, like I said. So we want to talk about the draft and the Knicks. There's been a lot of talk about first round targets so far. We talked about Jaden Ivey is the, the dream one, obviously, but uh, there's much more realistic targets. Yeah. Obviously uh, shouldn't sharp would be another one that I've heard from Kentucky, but there's much more realistic guys that uh, we need to talk about when we're on this show, Jeff, who are some of the guys that you like when the Knicks pick? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned um, Shaden Sharp, and, and I think even though I don't know that he's a realistic option for us, I think the fact that he declared is really big for us because it really it creates, you know, another guy that's going to be pretty firmly planted in the top five, the top seven. You know, I think I don't think he goes anywhere past nine. Um, so that just means that there's going to be another guy that's, in the you know eight to fourteen region that is now available for us in terms of guys that I think are really realistic that I think will be there at eleven if we don't move up I think we have like a nine point four percent chance of getting a top four pick yeah. but if we stay at eleven which unfortunately is 
Knicks fans know our luck in the lottery. We probably will stay. Um, but, you know, a guy that I really like uh, is Dyson Daniels, a point guard from G League Ignite. Really young guy, an Australian native. Um, you know, I love watching him play. I, I've seen, you know, a lot of games from his, from the G League. He's young, but he plays with a really great poise. His shot is not that great, but the form isn't bad. He just does a lot of things at his height and length. Again, as I said before, a 6'8 guard. Defends really well, navigates the pick and rolls, can make advanced reads, can drive the ball, just makes winning plays as well. Uh, I know Knicks fans really want the perennial question of who's going to be our point guard to be solved and answered. Unfortunately, I think it would be an interesting fit with us just because, you know, we know that Tibbs um, isn't always fond initially of playing rookies. And, and he's, a, he's a particularly young rookie. And I, I don't think he's raw. I think he's, he's better than your average 18 or 19-year-old that comes in the league. I, I really do believe he can make an instant impact. Um, but there is going to have to be some growing pains with him. And you do wonder um, whether the coaching staff is, is willing to deal with that. Another guy that I really like that gets a lot of love on draft Twitter is Tari Eason out of LSU. A really long and versatile uh, wing forward. Um, I mean, he can do really about everything. LSU was really one of the best defensive teams in the nation this past year, and Tari was a big part of it. You know, a very cliche, cliche thing to say, but he can really switch uh, pretty much everything when you put him on the perimeter. He's a very versatile um, player. You know, the shot is, is not great, but he's, he's great at slashing and getting to the rim. Um, yeah, I think those are, are two guys that I'm really looking at. And, and you know what? Another guy that I don't think necessarily fits, but I just think sometimes when you pick later in the lottery, I do think you have to think about value and not necessarily fit. A guy that I think is slipping a lot and not, not, not really sure he should be is actually Dyson's teammate, Jaden Hardy, also of G League Ignite, um, a guy that initially – you know, didn't get some great reports because he kind of seemed like um, someone who over dribbled and really just kind of hunted for his shot. The shooting percentages were not great, but he's a really gifted um, and talented scorer. You know, uh, someone who can really create, does a, a lot of creative, creative in and out dribbles, can manipulate pick and rolls as well, can get to the rim. Uh, he's another guy that, you know, there's just, there's just people that you see and you, and you and you wonder if you pass on them if you're going to regret on it going forward. That brings me to a great question. You know a lot. Of, you've researched pretty much every position at this point. So, do you think? Obviously, the Knicks have holes pretty much everywhere, but except at where RJ Barrett plays. But do you think wherever the Knicks end up picking, should they go by position? Or should they just take the best player available? I really, I really think you got to take the best player, man. I just, if if this season taught me anything, um, it really taught me that we are still in the developing stages of of this franchise. We're we're still accumulating talent and trying to figure out how that talent fits together. And you know, I just wrote an article for. Um, Knicks fan TV that I think is going to be published pretty soon 
But, you know, I, I wrote about the top three power forwards and I included Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith. And then I even think I had Nikola Jovic, who is a Serbian international in there. Like, you know, if you have obviously Smith and, and Bancaro are, are no doubt about it, you know, top four picks. But, you know, who if you have you, who did you have one and two, Paolo oh. or Jabari? I had Paolo. I had Paolo. You had yeah. Paolo ranked ahead of Jabari? Oh, oh I did. Right. Yeah, there you yeah. go, my guy. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love Paolo Vancaro. Um, But yeah, like, you know, I, I really feel strongly that we cannot be making decisions, you know, based on, oh, if Julius Randle is on the roster. We can't be making decisions based on, you know, the only guy – that, you know, I, I think we're, we're pretty certain on is that RJ is going to be a long-term piece for the, for the future. I really want Emmanuel quickly to be that. I really want Obi to be that. I'm not, I'm not as sure about Obi, even though I was like the biggest Obi fan. That's that's breaking news. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later, but um, you know, I, I, I love Obi Toppin so much, but I just think, we are still really developing, and I, I just don't know that I'm ready to cement um, any one position as, no, it's this guy's, he's getting this amount of minutes a night. I want the Knicks to continue to draft um, based off best talent, best talent available. Yeah, we'll talk about Obi probably during the Donovan Mitchell discussion because he would have to be used probably in that trade. But, yeah, I think best player available absolutely makes sense, but – Let's talk about some of the players that we know we're going to be talking about when we uh, do our little discussion. And that's for sure we know we're going to be talking about uh, from Kansas, who the player whose name I will never be able to pronounce correctly. Can you get it for me, please? Oh, uh, Ochai Agbaji. Thank you. Yes. We're, yeah. we're going to be talking about him absolutely for sure so can you give us a a quick scouting report on him yeah Ochai is awesome man I I, so he's interesting you know this is kind of the age-old question with him in the sense that there's going to be a lot of guys out there that see a guy that's that's his age that you know did three or four years in college um and you know the 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 wave is always to go with the 18 or 19 year old that maybe was okay, but has the length and measurables that you can kind of forecast and say, well, if he matures into his body, we could have a stud. You know, for me, Ochaya Agbaji is already a stud. And I think he's, he's someone that I think can help you right now. And I'm not so certain that his potential is capped. You know, a lot of people feel like when you get your Malcolm, Bro- Malcolm Brogdon's of the world, guys that, again, you know, played multiple years in college, they feel like their potential is capped. I don't, I wouldn't say that about this guy. The one thing that is very, very clear to me is that on day one, when he steps on an NBA floor, he is going to be a really great floor spacer. He's going to be somebody um, that is going to improve your offense. He competes. He's a good defender. Um, I think he attacks closeouts well, and everything that I've read about him suggests that he's a really hardworking, dedicated um, teammate. So, you know, for me, I think a guy like him, if you get him at the back end of the lottery, is a great value pick. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if 
when people start figuring out the intangibles that he has, if he goes higher, you know, a guy that I might um, compare him to a little bit, not in terms of gameplay or style, but in just in terms of like kind of meteoric rise is Davion Mitchell. You know, a guy I really liked from Baylor last year. Again, another guy that, that people were lower on and they said, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about the height. I don't know about that. But I guarantee you when NBA GMs um, started meeting with this guy and they talked to his coaching staff, and I was lucky enough to talk with one of the assistant coaches from there, like you hear the stories about him and they're like, he's a maniac in the gym. And he's the type of guy that is calling his teammate up at 3 a.m. after they just got home from the national championship. And he's like, yo, are we going to the gym or not? And he's like, his friend is like, oh, I have a test. And he's like, oh, are you trying to be valedictorian or are you trying to go to the league? (laughs) So, you know, it's things like that where I just feel like people who are going to learn about some of these players, interview them. Ochai Agbaji is going to be a guy that, that rises up boards because of that. I was thinking, I think you're spot on with the Davion Mitchell thing. I was thinking the same thing. Every year, there's a player who who people are like, how can you take him because of his age? And Davion Mitchell was that guy. I remember when teams were like, people were like, oh, my God, Cam Johnson is so old. What are the Suns doing? He's starting in the playoffs right now. <laughs> like, teams just some, sometimes ignore what a player did in college. And I never understood that. Look at what this guy just did in the NCAA tournament. That should mean something. Like, I I get that sometimes guys just aren't built for the NBA. But this guy, everything about him, he looks like it. Just like you said with Mitchell. I mean, he just looks like he's – and obviously the work ethic is there because you see where he came from and how hard he worked. That that screams like a guy that is built for the league. Everything about him. I I mean, it's just – uh, he's a guy – it'd be fun to have him on the Knicks for sure, uh, absolutely. But another guy who I'm hoping we get to talk about at some point, and I, I think Knicks fans would be interested uh, because he is a Rutgers guy, and I would love to talk about him, is Ron Harper Jr. I hope he has a lot of success in the league. So, Jeff, what do you think of Ron Harper Jr.? Yeah, he's interesting to me. I'll be honest. I, I – um... I've definitely done some research on Ron Harper. He's not a prospect that I'm, I'm a little more well-versed on, but um, I think you love his confidence. Yeah. I think you love the way he carries himself on the court. I definitely think he exudes leadership qualities. Um, I mean, he hit a massive shot against Purdue early in the season, um, to, and I believe they were number one at the time. Yeah, um, they beat, I know they beat Purdue, Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's got the pedigree. And to me, that does matter. You know, I, I and I know that some people may think that that's overblown. But, you know, I, that was one thing that I really liked about R.J. Barrett when we drafted him. I love that his dad was a professional in Canada. Because to me, you know, that means on some level, and it's a bit of an assumption, but I think it's, it's one that you can reasonably kind of get to, that this kid from a young age has been around professionals in this field and he's seen how you're supposed to go about it he's seen how you're supposed to do things day to day you know he's seen how you're supposed to work out how you're supposed to take care of your body things like anthony is another example of that too he's been really good orlando Mm -hmm. absolutely and and so you know i think drafting a guy like ron harper 
can be very safe in the sense that, okay, we're going to bring him into our locker room and, you know, we're not going to have to worry about a lot. And this kid is just going to work hard and get better. Um, so yeah, he's definitely somebody that I would be interested to talk with the coaching staff, learn more about, um, because he's another guy that I, I think he's a definite second round pick, maybe on the, on the later half of it. Um, but he's another guy that you could see rising up, you know, as soon as GMs start to get to talk to him. Again, yeah, I think you're right. He'll, he'll slip a little bit, uh, 22 years old. I, I also, I like the fact he's a senior too. Yeah, he's, you know, he's worked hard. He's, his numbers have gotten better as he's gotten older. He's gotten to be a, a better player. Probably could have gone pro last year after his junior year. I know he flirted with the draft, but came back. And it turned out to be a smart move because he got player. His his three-point shot got better. And Rutgers, I think the fact that Rutgers went to the NCAA tournament is really going to help him out because a lot more people saw him play. But, yeah, I I hope to, at some point, talk to someone with uh, associated with Rutgers or something. I think that would be very cool. But a guy who I'm very excited to talk about, and you know this because we talked about it, is – Toledo's Ryan Rollins. I think that's going to – I can't wait to dig into that one, to dig into that kid. I, I want to know what you think of Ryan. Yeah, he's he's a really exciting player. Um, I think, you know, a lot of these smaller schools, I think one of the best parts about NBA draft Twitter is that these guys will latch on to somebody who is kind of making a leap and maybe their name gets kind of a bit more coverage than it would in the mainstream. That's really what I feel like happened with Ryan Rollins. I've seen, I see guys that I really follow, you know, one website that I know just recently started, they kind of compiled a lot of draft Twitter's best guys is those guys that know ceilings. I think Corey Taluba is, is, is the dude behind it. But I remember, um, one of one or two of their guys were really big on Ryan early in the season. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a talented shot maker, man. And, and the NBA is a league where you have to be able to create your own shot. You've got to be able to create space. Um, and I think he's, he's exciting for sure. Another dude that if we get a chance to talk to the coaching staff, and I think Chip, you and I, we, we've done this enough now that, I know that we can both ask, ask questions where we can get, you know, truthful answers because that you, you, we can both figure out very quickly whether the coach is trying to tell us generically what he wants us to hear or if, you know, what is legit. Because if we're getting, you know, kind of the, oh, listen, first one in, last one out, oh, great teammate, you know, knows the scouting report. That's, you know, hey, listen, it could be true, but it sounds like coach speak. But if he gives you specific stories like, listen, you know, he texts me at 8 a.m., you know, at 8 o'clock after practice to go over game tape, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, he comes in four hours before the game. That, that, those are the kids that you're kind of like, and that's why I brought up that Davion Mitchell story. Like, those are the kids where you're like, yeah. okay, listen, this guy's, this guy's going to go somewhere. Yeah. For example, when we talked to Ian Borders with Oregon or with Auburn, he had so many stories about Isaac Okoro. 
yeah, we were like, we were sold on Isaac Okora. Yeah. I, st- I still think he's going to be a stud wherever he, yeah. if he stays with Cleveland, ends up somewhere else. But yeah, but to, to be, to stick with Ryan Rollins, I, man, I, to be honest, I didn't know who he was until I didn't know anything about him until this year. And cause I have, I'm a psycho. I was watching a Mac college basketball game on like a, a Thursday or Friday night or something. And Toledo was playing on the road at Ohio. And this kid just drops like 25 points against Ohio. And they were supposed to be the number one team in the Mac. And it was one of the most fun college basketball games you'll watch. I love those, those small schools playing each other. Like I love Vermont. I love, I love all this. Sometimes that's more fun than the big schools, especially like all we get here is ACC and big 10. I know. Those, those games can be so goddamn fucking boring. I know. The big East was brutal this year, dude. It yeah, was it was it was kind of tough. It was kind of tough. I, I I'll say this. I personally liked um I don't want to say all of their games cuz I probably saw about 6 or 7 full Seton Hall games. Seton they're Hall probably, is fun. They're probably one of the Big East teams that I feel most confident talking about. I thought they were pretty exciting. I thought UConn and Spurts were exciting, but I think overall they were a little tough here and there. Um, but yeah, the Big East overall was, was a little rough for sure. As much as I have so much respect for Jay Wright and by the way, hats off to Jay Wright. Amazing. One of the greatest college coaches in history. This was a, (laughs) they were a tough watch, man. (laughs) They were a tough watch. They they, they had some, they had some injuries here and there. I know, uh, Jermaine Samuels through early parts of the year was a little bit hurt. Um, but they, they struggled to find their way. It was so yeah. interesting to see them progress in the tournament. Um, and then Colin Gillespie, man, like he, he had, place, man. He, he had some spurts during the regular season where he was really trying to find himself and struggling, but dude, the biggest tourney, he absolutely just ramped it up and, and definitely during the NCAA tournament, like they were really that tournament team that was ready no matter what to make a run. I knew they would because they he just has that old man game and they just slow you down and bore you into submission. You you are you're just you're just like you can tell these other teams are just so pissed playing against them. I just yeah. wasn't surprised they made the final four. They were yeah. so impressive, man. I I, I man, I'm I can't wait for next season now, dog. I'm talking I, this I, much uh, college this is, basketball. I'm, I'm so I'm, pumped. I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up too. <laughs> I'm pumped for this draft, man. I can't wait to talk to these coaches. I, as I, like I said, we're going to talk to coaches from these teams who we, we just talked about, hoping to get more coaches involved. Like Jeff just mentioned, UConn. We'd love to talk to someone from UConn. Uh, I reached out to some coaches from St. Bonaventure today. It would be amazing to talk to someone from St. Bonaventure. To, uh, someone from St. Bonaventure. We're also going to talk to Hopefully, someone from St. Joe's. I, I really like Jordan Hall. Uh, my brother went to St. Joe's too, so he's very excited about <laughs> that. <laughs> but yeah, I like we said earlier. I also would like to talk some Knicks. I know Jeff, you do too. We haven't talked Knicks on a podcast in a very long time. Oh yeah. And I think the the biggest Knicks news right now is Jalen Brunson. Unfortunately, it has nothing to do with the Knicks because <laughs> we're not on the court. But we'll get to Donovan Mitchell, too. But I think Jalen Brunson is the guy. He's the man of the hour. He's whether you 
want to pay him 20 to $25 million per year or not. And he is a very divisive topic on Nick's Twitter. But uh, Jeff, I, I don't think me and you have talked about Jalen Brunson at all. Yeah, we haven't. And so where do you land on Brunson? So interestingly enough, it's funny that we started with him because I was, I was, you know, um, uh, I'm, sh- I'm assuming we both have a very strong addiction to Twitter. So I, I was just, uh, absolutely. you know, we do. No. <laughs> yeah. I, so obviously I was just scouring the timeline and, you know, the guys that do the Knicks chatter the day after they have Ian Begley on mm-hmm. uh, earlier tonight. And I saw someone tweet. So I, I don't know that this is a direct quote from him. So I could be wrong about this, but someone said that Ian Begley said that there is a significant chance that Jalen Brunson will be the starting point guard for the Knicks next year. I don't, again, that's unfounded. I don't know if that's hearsay or whatever, but this is kind of what I think about that. Like, I, I don't think I'm for it. I think my thing is this. I think that when Leon Rose became president of basketball operations and when Wes became whatever title that he is, whatever he's, um, whatever he does. <laughs> I think, I think my dream was that all of these connections and relationships that these guys have fostered over the decades that they've been involved in professional basketball. My just, my dream was that it was going to create some type of leverage that we were going to use during a trade to get a star or during a free agency negotiation. Now, I mean, it sounds like that could happen with Jalen Brunson because Leon Rose is obviously Jalen's godfather, but I guess it's just hard for me to kind of swallow that Jalen Brunson would be kind of the prized possession. So if you have a roster with Jalen Brunson, who's going to be making, you know, a hundred mil on a four-year deal or whatever it is, I'm assuming it's between 85 to a hundred million. Um, Julius Randle is, is on a, a four year hundred plus extension. RJ is going to get extended. So I guess it's just hard for me to think that that team, right? Obviously we're going to add pieces to it. I'm not saying that it's capped with just those three guys, but if that's, if those three are going to be your highest paid players or, or some of your highest paid players, I have a hard time believing that that team is going to compete with Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, even though oh, I, I'm just loving the Nets being swept from last oh, night. Man. It's fucking amazing. It's the most beautiful thing ever. But <laughs> anyway, I'm just having a hard time feeling like the Knicks are going to compete with those teams. Like, are we even a five seed at that? Like, I don't know. And, and I'm not, and the thing is this, like, I don't want to throw a shade to Jalen Brunson because he's showing out in the playoffs and he's playing great and he's going to get a massive contract this season. Great for him. I just don't know if it's Nick's best move to kind of go that route. Chip, what do you think? No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent. I'm very nervous about I'm probably shouldn't be this nervous about the money because every time I hear someone talk about the money, someone like Jeremy Cohen, who, who knows way more about it than I do. They talk about how it's not such a big deal because the cap's going up. And I get that. 
But my main reason for not wanting him doesn't have anything to do with the money. I think we already have the starting point guard on the roster, and I think it's Emmanuel Quickly. I think he should get the job next year. And I think if Jalen Brunson comes to this team, that means Quickly's getting pushed down the depth chart and his minutes are going away because Tom Thibodeau loves Jalen Brunson. He loves him. He, uh, his dad, Rick, was an assistant coach for Tibbs. I think it was in Minnesota. And look, Jalen Brunson's good. I'm not saying he's not good, but if he comes to, I think I saw some people saying that there's a possibility Brunson and quickly play together. I just don't see that. I, I'm sorry. And to me, the only way this works with Brunson, by the way, is if Randall gets traded because there's no point in having a point guard unless Julius Randall goes because he thinks he's the point guard of the team. I mean, we saw that with Kemba. He thought he was the point guard with Kemba freaking Walker on the team. We know he's not giving things up to Jalen Brunson. If, if you bring in a starting point guard like of Brunson's caliber, Randall has to go, especially you mentioned Randall's contract. If you're paying Brunson 20 to 25 million, you got to unload Randall's deal, especially because you're about to pay RJ. I think you, you have to unload Randall's deal. Do you disagree? No, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's really going to be a crazy off season because they're going to have to make a lot of tough decisions. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I actually think Tibbs might like quickly more than you think. And I, I was reading that last Fred Katz article from the athletic where he really went into detail about Tibbs's um, multiple practices. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it seems like at least from some of the players perspectives that he said, he's always talking to, to quick and, and the two of them are always together and, and whatnot. I, you know, I, I, I agree with you that, I, I mean, he's probably still going to be very hesitant to hand IQ the, the keys. Um, but I ultimately, I do agree. If we do get Jalen Brunson, I think Randall has to go. And for money reasons and for just pure basketball fit reasons, Julius Randall is at his best when the Knicks are pushing the tempo and when he's pushing the tempo specifically. And that's not really going to work. Um, you know, for the way that the team is constituted, I don't think it's really going to work for RJ to continue to develop. So it's just, it's just best. Um, And that sucks because I, you know, I actually, I'm probably a little easier and lighter on Randall than most Nick fans. I, I do think that he's still a very talented player. And I know people um, are really going to point at the poor shooting numbers, but I just think that 20, 10, and five guys just don't magically appear on your roster. So, and I, you know, I know that some people feel like he might be hard to trade and I, I disagree. I think that, I think that you have to, if you're a fan that believes that his all NBA shooting efficiency was an aberration, it's clear that it was. Um, But I also think that you have to then believe that this season is a bit of an aberration as well, because it wasn't like these numbers were just closer to the back of his basketball court. It's somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle. Exactly. Like he was, it was historically low. I think what he did in field goal percentage and three point percentage. And then the other thing is too, like I, 
I think professionally he did not handle himself well this year at all. Um, but I also think that's a little bit of an aberration too, you know, like I know that he wrote a previous article about, you know, um, holding himself accountable for his facial expressions and the way he handles himself on the court. But I don't think I ever saw anything from him in New Orleans, LA or New York that resembled this season's like excessive poutiness uh, or this season's just excessive back and forth with the fans. So for me, I think that's an aberration too. And, and if I'm an opposing GM, I'm still willing to take a risk on, what is he, 28? I mean, like, you know, I don't even think he's 30 yet. And he, his contract is, is really not that bad. And his numbers are not terrible either. And, and, he's, and he's a talented player. He's got size. He can pass. He can shoot. He can drive. So I, I think that the Knicks, unfortunately, I think they might have to give a little bit up in addition, but they can definitely deal him. That's what I was going to say. As Zach Lowe says, anybody's tradable if you attach enough picks to him. Yeah. So the idea that Randall's untradable is insane. It's not like he makes 30 to $40 million a year no. or something. And he's young. I think he's, he's tradable and there's always desperate teams out there and he's good yeah. enough to where someone's going to be able to be like, Hey, Julius Randall's coming in. He'll add a few wins to our roster and yeah. we can change him. We can make him different. And like you said, the, one of my, that's one of my biggest problems with Randall was, you nailed it where he, him and us were at their best when we were playing up tempo and he just seemed so unwilling to do it, which was wild to me. But, but yeah, I, I think now's a good time to move on to, to Donovan Mitchell because I wanted to talk about him because you mentioned Obi Toppin before. And I was actually planning on asking you if you were willing to trade for Donovan Mitchell because of how much it would cost. And probably because of the way Obi Toppin looked, he would be, have to be included in that trade. So I think that's the main question with Knicks fans is, are you willing to trade for Donovan Mitchell at all just because the cost is going to be astronomical to get this guy? Yeah, I, um, I'm leaning towards no. It's so crazy, man, because I actually love Donovan Mitchell. And when Leon came here, he was initially one of the stars that I thought we would have a good chance to get. Um, and, and I'll admit here, I am not watching jazz games every night. So, but watching, is anyone, him, is anyone? Yeah. Yeah, I know that's I fair can't. point. Um, I, watching his defense. I know it's been talked about on Twitter a lot. It's, it's been tough, man. I, I, I'm, I'm having on like the same way that I'm having a hard time thinking like conceptualizing in my head. Um, I'm getting, five, I'm getting Harden-y vibes, James Harden-y vibes from him. Right. Uh, like, maybe going like, a little overboard, but kinda, kinda. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like the same way I was having a hard time stomaching five years or four years, a hundred million for Jalen Brunson. I'm having a hard time thinking of giving up all of our young players and plus picks for Mitchell and his defense looked like this. Um, and, ah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just, the other thing is this, and I don't think this guy gets enough credit, unfortunately, post all of the COVID stuff between him and Mitchell. Of course, things were going to be sour on Gobert, but I honestly don't think Gobert gets enough credit for how good the Jazz are because of him. Like, I, I really, really think that he is... I mean, he is in the top two or three 
defensive player of the year voting every single year. And what he does um, from altering shots and altering just offensive game plans, forget blocks, right? Like um, what he does just by changing, it's, it's really, it's like immeasurable. Um, so yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards no on Donovan. Yeah. And imagine how good that team would be if they had a single good wing defender to back him up. And he's just still dominant without any good wing defenders. It's, yep, that's it's, right. it's crazy. It's crazy. No, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I'm leaning no, and I was also super high on getting him when we first got, when we first brought in Leon, and we were talking about all these stars. I wanted him, and this was obviously pre Mori, and things weren't looking great for the Sixers. I loved Embiid, still love Embiid, but now I know it's not going to happen. I know it's crazy. But yeah, I was super high on Donovan Mitchell, man. I obviously Booker was. Uh, Booker was always a pipe dream, I think, kind of. But, yeah, Donovan Mitchell was the guy that I liked. And now, yeah, the the cost that's going to happen and now all the stuff about his defense on Twitter and uh, the, the justifications of, hey, when he, when he comes to New York and all of a sudden he cares about defense, he's going to play. Like, he's in the playoffs. Does he not care <laughs> about playing defense in the playoffs? That's not good. Yeah, oh. I, I mean – just because he hates one of his teammates, he shouldn't care about playing defense. Again, that's a Hardeny type of vibe right there. Because, and I don't like that. And yeah. I, I don't know, man. I look if they trade R.J. Barrett for him. No, no, nah, dude. I, I, I think I think Knicks fans would absolutely revolt. I, I think it would be that would be a huge, huge mistake. And this is Danny Ainge. So Danny Ainge is going to want to rob someone. Yeah, that's also yeah. a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Danny Ainge is absolutely going to try and heist someone. Mm-hmm. I just... Uh, and also, he has no... Like, the last GM had an emotional connection to Mitchell because he drafted him. Danny Ainge right. doesn't give a shit about where Donovan Mitchell gets traded to. If Donovan that's- Mitchell says, I want to go to New York, he could do what Popovich in San Antonio did to Kawhi and say... So what? <laughs> yeah, I don't care yeah. if you want to go to your hometown. Like Kawhi wanted to go to LA, I'll send you to wherever wherever I want to send you to. Right. So there's right. no guarantee he's going to go where he wants to go anyway. That's but that's very true. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I'm with you. I I wouldn't give up those. I wouldn't give up that haul. Like if I, I'm sure Ainge is going to come in with RJ quickly, Obi, because hey, he's in the position of power. He's got him. Uh, under contract for for long term and i'm not doing that that's way too much yeah and he's really good he's shown he can carry a team win a playoff series but not he can't take a team that far yeah i I mean look donovan mitchell and and rj barrett i think it's too soon to to tell how far that team goes because we don't know how good rj barrett is but if you unload everything but R.J. Barrett, and what if R.J. Barrett doesn't turn into an all-star player or a multiple-time all-star and just like one- or two-time all-star? Then you're fucked. And you're like, yeah, then you give up everything. Then it's the it's mellow really trade. Hard. Then it's really the mellow hard. trade. I, yeah. I don't think he's the guy to unload everything for. I don't think he's yeah. that guy. I think, I think you're patient. I think you got to be patient. And I don't know. Everybody's, everybody's saying this is the guy they've been waiting on, though. 
I mean, Wes, yeah. Wes went to the game to go see him. Not that that matters. Who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, God, whatever, whatever. All right. I think now's a good time to wrap up. This was awesome, man. Uh, yeah, thanks dude, for coming I, on. I miss this for sure. And uh, for anybody listening, you know, Chip and I are really pumped to bring some more of these episodes and have, like we said, some assistant coaches, hopefully maybe a player or two, maybe some trainers, just to try and get Knicks fans all of the information that they can get before uh, draft day so we can try and figure out, you know, who we want, what type of contingency plans we have for who is available here, who are we going to pick if this guy's there or not. But um, we're definitely going to have a lot of fun doing it for sure. Absolutely, man. I know that we've been slacking on the KSOM content recently, and now I got Jeff back with me. So I know we're going to be putting out more consistent stuff and I really appreciate that. So thank you for listening. And like I said, we'll be back with some, our next episode is going to be draft related. So I hope you're looking forward to draft stuff. Thanks, man.